0: Amen. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to have you with us. Those of you who are uh, visiting with us in person here, we're so glad to have you especially. And we're thankful for our members who are so faithful and dedicated. We are very thankful for those who join us online every week. And we, you are a blessing, and we want to be a blessing to you. We're always available to you. We appreciate you being with us online and in person. And uh, now that school has started back, It's always a great time to invite visitors, but as school has started back, we wanna encourage you, be sure to invite friends, invite coworkers, invite people. Uh, Travel season is kind of slowed down, except maybe for sports and other things like that, but we wanna encourage you always be an inviting church, and we appreciate that, that you do that. Have you ever written an important, heartfelt letter or card to someone? You took your time writing out the words you 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 thought about every word that you said maybe you started the letter over a few times but you spent a lot of time writing something that was really meaningful to you to communicate to that person or maybe you've received one of those letters or cards and when you read it it meant a lot to you when Joyce and I were dating in college and would be away from each other during the summers we would this was before texting and facetime and all that we would write cards and letters to one another and keep in touch that way and talk on the phone and i've got a box of all of those that i've still kept of the letters that she's sent to me and the ones i sent and got returned no i'm kidding (laughs) no but uh, you know those were special you appreciate those you value those those are important to you well this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church is kind of similar to that Paul and the Philippian church were very very close they loved one another they had a very close relationship with one another they had spent time over the years together Paul uh, you know was there from the beginning of that work there that that congregation of the Lord's Church there and so the Philippian letter is A love letter a letter that really uh, communicates this relationship this care this love for one another so you see that as you read the letter to the Philippians from Paul and that's the series we want to start this morning and spend the next few weeks on and that is Philippians the letter to the Philippians joy in Jesus and so we we won't go verse by verse through the book we're gonna go through. We're gonna go through it, and then we'll stop at key points. And we're we're gonna try to get some key things from from Paul that we can that we can learn that will help us grow, that will encourage us, challenge us. And uh, you know, I think a letter like this is one that that there's a lot to to take from. There's a lot that will help us. We think about all that Paul has gone through in his life, the sufferings. The, uh, the challenges that he had, the disappointments that he had, the beatings, the, all of the things that he's gone through for the sake of Christ. And at the point of writing this letter to the Philippians, he's sitting in a Roman jail not knowing what's going to happen, if he's going to live or die. And he writes this, one of the, one of the prison epistles, to the Philippian church. And we notice when we read through the letter to the Philippians how much joy there is and, and, and that 16 times uh, Paul mentions the word joy or rejoice or something like that uh, throughout this short letter of four chapters and only 104 verses. But he packs it full of joy and rejoicing. So we, we've got to ask the question, how on earth... Could a guy who's been through all of the things he's been through and who now sits in jail for proclaiming this word, this gospel, this good news, and he doesn't know if he's going to live or die, how can this guy sit there and talk about rejoicing and being full of joy after all of that and knowing what he's dealing with? Well, that's one of the main things I want us to figure out and get from this series as we study Philippians now let's let's go ahead and turn to chapter 1 we're gonna we're gonna be in just part of chapter 1 today and we're gonna start off with looking at the first couple of verses and we'll just look at a chunk of verses comment about them and uh, on them and then we'll move move on from there now so Paul opens the letter to the Philippians in a little bit different way than he typically does he doesn't always name an associate another person sometimes he will say paul the an apostle something along those lines but he opens it up look at verse number one and two paul and timothy servants of christ jesus to all the saints in christ jesus who are at philippi with the overseers and deacons grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ so he names timothy as his associate, his co-laborer, you know, they were very close uh, to one another. Timothy is 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 there in some capacity. We don't really know how and what, but he's there with him, uh, helping him in some way. And so he writes and says, it's Paul and Timothy here. They're, we are servants of Christ Jesus. Now... Timothy was well known to the Philippians. He had been there when they founded the church in Acts chapter 16. And it's really interesting to go back through the book of Acts and trace the, the, the story of the Philippian church. That's a neat thing to look at. Paul, uh, he, Timothy had been back to visit. Paul was also going to send Timothy again to the Philippians, uh, which he talks about in chapter 2. Now Paul and Timothy, uh, as Paul says... Are servants. Your translation may translate that word slaves. Now Paul intentionally uses the Greek word doulos which is slave. It can also be interpreted servant instead of the Greek word that we often see diakonos which is where we get deacon, servant, minister. Paul didn't use diakonos so we've got to ask well why didn't you use servant, minister, deacon? Because those seemed like they would fit. Well, he used doulos, meaning slave. So why would he say Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus? I think that's interesting that he said that. And of course, he said that because God inspired him, led him to say that in that way. But he intentionally uses that word. He's making it clear that they belong to, they are ruled by Christ. Christ is, is their king, their ruler, their owner. They belong to Christ. See, see they, were, they were committed to do the will of Christ no matter what. And so to use the word "doulos" slave, is communicating something to the Philippian church. See, they weren't celebrities or some uh, elite rulers in their contemporary culture. They were were servants alongside the Philippians. And Paul, as he's going to talk about later, Paul could have pulled rank and claimed all kind of fame and education and status and, and all of that. But he didn't. He said... He said, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. What an attitude that he shows us that we should have when it comes to uh, our faith. See, for Paul, being in the church is about service, not significance. It's not about getting a title or a position or some clout or being seen as such and such and so and so. It is about being a servant of Christ, not about any kind of significant position. And he's going to say more about that in chapter 2. But then Paul addresses uh, the letter to the overseers and the deacons. Now, this is the only letter of Paul's that he addresses to some identified leaders in the congregation. And 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 he addresses it to the elders and to the deacons of the church in Philippi. Now that's interesting, so it lets us know that the church had grown and had developed and had matured to a point where there were elders and deacons in place. Now it's very likely that he did this because this church was a big supporter of his financially but also in prayer and in co-laboring for the gospel. And you see that throughout the the letter. You see this co-laboring, and he's going to use the word participation, fellowship, uh, partnership. He uses that type of language throughout the letter. So they 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 were tied in closely to do the work of the Lord. And so he's writing to the leaders and servants of that church, the overseers and deacons who were supporters, who would have been the rightful people to... Uh, receive this letter and pass it on to the congregation now look at verses 3 through 5 i thank my god in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel see Uh, from the first day until now so that's the first time we see the language of partnership fellowship Uh, partakers in this this concept of working together, participation. Now this congregation partnered with Paul in, as we said, multiple ways, and Paul was so thankful that he had this congregation working in partnership with him to further the gospel. Now look at verse number 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, that's an important thing for Paul to say. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He says, I'm confident of this. I'm sure of this. I know this is going to happen. He's going to bring that work in you to completion at the day of Jesus. See, Paul was so confident Because he was confident in God being at work in his church. He wasn't confident in himself or even in the the zeal or the talent of the the Philippian church. He was confident in God at work in that congregation. He put his trust in God at work in that congregation. He knew God was doing something. And so when the people submit themselves to God's will, to God's word, then God does amazing things that are above and beyond what the, the folks could have done on their own power. And so when he first arrived, if you remember, it was after he received the Macedonian call to go down there to Macedonia. And Philippi is the first city he stopped at in the Macedonian area. Uh, and he, there wasn't a Jewish synagogue to worship because it was a Roman uh, uh, territory, and there weren't enough Jews in the population there, in the town there, for there to warrant a synagogue. So they had to have a certain number, or the Romans wouldn't give them a synagogue. So there's no place for Jews to go and worship, to gather together. But he hears about some people who were meeting down at the river and praying. So he goes down there, and do you remember who he finds, what lady he finds? This is where he finds Lydia. you remember that? He finds Lydia down there, and she was praying and others, and he meets her, they pray together. He teaches her the gospel and baptizes her. And the church in Philippi has been started there at that point. That's the beginning of that work there. And so by the time Paul writes the Philippian letter, when he's sitting in that prison cell, cell in in rome this church has matured from lydia to the point of having elders and deacons that's pretty neat to see the progress there we don't know exactly how big it was but we know that they had they had converted a lot of people to the gospel so he knew this church well he had confidence in god that he would continue that work in them until the day of judgment now Let's, let's cheat a little bit and go over to chapter 2 and verse 13 where he's going to say kind of the same thing. And he says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You see, that's the disposition a church has to take. Towards God, It's not my church or anybody else's church. This is God's church. Christ is the head of His church. And so it is God who works in us to do what He wants to do. So we've got to surrender to and submit to His will, His work in our lives and in, the, in our congregation for His good pleasure. You see, God works through the Christian in a variety of ways. How does God work through Christians. how to think about that how does he work through us he works through us through his word he works through us through everyday events in our lives we've been talking about that on Wednesdays he works through other people in our lives and he works through his spirit in us so God works in us in lots of different ways We've got to be individuals in a collective body who is open to that and receptive and submissive to his work. And Paul believed that what God had started there in Philippi, he would finish on the day of judgment. So what does that tell us? That means God is always at work until the end. There's always work for God to do in us. And that means we've always got to be available to work. Does that make sense? And so Jesus established his church on that confession of faith, that confession of I believe in you. I'm going to submit to you, surrender to you, live for you. And then he does his work in his church and in his people. And that's a church that succeeds. And maybe that's not the best word to use in church, but that's a church that thrives in doing God's will. And it was a long time ago when the Bullard Church of Christ was started. Is that right? Many, many years ago, this work was started. And it has a great history, a rich history. Some wonderful, wonderful people have come through here. Many, many, many wonderful people, Christians, have come through here over the years. And this congregation has done great works uh, in this community and beyond. But God is still at work, and God says, I'm not finished yet. I have work to do in this congregation. You have work to do in this community And I'm at work and I will see it through to the day of judgment. So we're not done working. We've got lots to do through the rest of our future time together. Now, our job is to be faithful to do his work. And that's what he works with, is those faithful to do his work. Now, look at verses 9 through 11. And Paul writes, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now look back over those couple of verses and what do you see? What do you see? What what picture is painted there? What do you see Paul describing? He's describing spiritual growth. He's describing Christians maturing in their faith. Do you see that? It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And how? With knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you see spiritual maturity there? Paul's saying, I'm praying that you will keep growing spiritually. Now, he says that your love may abound more and more. Where do you think that originally comes from? That kind of sounds like the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, I want your love to just abound more and more. Never stop. He's saying we've got to grow in our love for God and for one another. And then... You never stop maturing. So in addition to growing in our love, we are to grow in our knowledge and in our discernment. So it's not just this floaty, cotton candy, ice cream, huggy love. That's not what he's talking about. He's love for God, that devotion to God and for one another and, and to abound more and more. And then he says, and I want you to grow in your knowledge and discernment. So how do we grow in knowledge? Well, how do you grow in knowledge about anything? You have to study it, don't you? The only, the only way you learn anything about anything is by studying that thing. Is that right? Is there anything you just all of a sudden, you've never heard of it, you have no idea what it is, and all of a sudden you know all about it? That's impossible to happen. The only way you learn something is by studying that thing. The only way we grow in knowledge is by studying God's Word. And that, that happens in some different ways. We need to do that on our own at home. And I'm not saying you have to study for four hours. I'm not even saying you have to read the Bible through every year. You can do that if you want. That's wonderful. But we need to be studying the Word of God in our own homes. And to ourselves, us and God. And there are other opportunities to grow in knowledge too, aren't there? Our teachers who work... But this church provides a buffet of biblical knowledge every week throughout the week. And all you've got to do is show up to the buffet and fill your plate. And then do that on your own as well. Talk about it at home. Have devotional time at home where you look at a passage, you talk about scripture. Make the Bible something that is normal in your home. And, and we also need to grow in our discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure, or your translation might say sincere and blameless for the day of Christ. So we have to grow in our discernment. What does that mean? Our perception, our understanding. And the only way you grow in your discernment spiritually is to grow in what? Your knowledge of the word of God. So you want to get sharper and wiser and have more discernment and understanding? You need to grow in the Word. And the more you grow in the Word, the more you grow in your discernment. And Paul talks about that in other places as well. The NIV says depth of insight. Now, when Paul says approve what is excellent, it means here to be able to discern what is best, to make right choices, So we've gotta get sharper and sharper and sharper about making right choices in our lives to follow God's word. And when we we mature spiritually, we mature in our decision-making ability, okay? That makes us, we make wiser decisions. Now, this is really interesting to me. The word pure uh, or it's, it's, it's sincere in the Greek and other translations say sincere, the ESV says pure. Here's where that comes from. I thought this was interesting. Italian marble and porcelain vendors would hide flaws in their products by using a special kind of wax. They would hide cracks and flaws by coming in with some wax and filling in, smoothing things out. So someone coming along their booth, their store, didn't see all the flaws and cracks because they had, Smoothed it out and filled it in with this special kind of wax that they used. Now, the, the, the better vendors, they would advertise their products as uh, sincere. And what that means is, literally, without wax. Because the English word sincere comes from two Latin words. Sin, meaning without, and sere meaning Wax without wax. And so they would market, hey, our stuff is sincere. Buy our products. We don't put, we don't cover up the flaws and the cracks with wax. Come buy our stuff. And so this is how we get our English word sincere, which means without deception, without hypocrisy. Do you see that? And so Paul is saying, I want you to grow up and mature so that your faith is sincere, without the wax to cover up all the flaws. You can't cover up all those flaws anyway. Just live sincere in your faith, growing in your faith. The better we are discerning what is best, the better we are, the better we get at following Christ in our lives. And all that does is bless the Lord's church and the work that he's doing there. Now verse 11. Look at verse number 11. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God see Paul prayed that the Philippians would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that makes us think of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5 doesn't it and Paul talks about this in other places Peter talks about this in one of his letters but people need to see fruit coming out of you being produced out of you from you and that shows them what kind of person you are so there needs to be Christian godly Christ-like fruit coming out of our lives when we're around others everywhere we are and that is a significant marker of a a Christian someone who follows Christ so naturally the fruit of the Spirit comes to comes to mind and so those are very tangible ways of that's what it looks like to be a Christian. That's what I should, act, the way I should act when I'm around others. Now Jesus said in John 15, verse five, "I'm the vine, and you are the branches." Listen to this: Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And Paul just prayed in Philippians one, "I pray that you bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." Look at John 15:8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Everything we do is to be about glorifying God in our lives, and maturing in our faith, growing spiritually, not acting like we're perfect and have it all together, like the, the, the vendors who would use wax, but sincere, who we are, and that we're striving to follow Christ and striving to grow spiritually. That we're here together to help one another grow spiritually to mature. When it gets down to it, the Christian is to glorify God in all of their lives. And as this, at this church, we're in a partnership too, like Paul was with the Philippians. We're in a partnership together to do the work of God. We have, we're partakers in that. That's, that's fellowship. Fellowship can be eating watermelon and food together. That's fine. But it's deeper than that. We are in fellowship to live for God and do his will together and help one another grow spiritually. If we can help you in any area of your relationship with God this morning, we want you to know we're here for you. If you need encouragement, prayers, if you want to study, maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. If you're watching online and You need someone to reach out to you, to visit, whatever it might be. We want you to know this church is here for you always. We're in this together, and God is at work and doing a great work. If we can help you this morning, we encourage you to come forward now as we together stand.